what's good? How's it hanging? How's it happening? You guys know this is Kevin from the Car Progression Podcast. Spotified Dark Future Systems, the best for your custom computing technology needs. Whether it's for gaming, music, creative, anything, Dark Future Systems is the way to go. You get $100 off your entire custom build using the code CPPOD at darkfuturesystems.com. Mention it anytime throughout your build or at checkout. You'll get the $100 off. Thank you, guys. Now in our feature presentation. Andrew from Project 86 is back once again. The brand new album Omni Part 2 comes out on January 12th. In this episode, we've dived deep into the album once again. But we also dive deep into the creative side of it. And why keeping that disillusion as an artist and as a person is paramount for just the best life possible. Trust me on that one. I fully agree with this. We dive deep into it. Are you guys ready? Let's go! Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girl listeners of the Core Progression Podcast. Back in early 2023, we brought this guy in the podcast right here talking about Omni Part 1, a massive album that came out back in March. And now I'm super excited for the fact that we get to dive back in this whole entire thing again because Part 2 is releasing on January 12th, 2024. And I enjoyed Omni Part 1 a lot. Now we get the second part of it. <gasps> Holy shit. Okay, you're going to be excited as me right now is when I say this. Please welcome Andrew from the band Project 86 to the podcast. So Andrew, welcome back. That was great, man. Thanks for having me. What a, what an intro. My energy is just at 11 now. Oh, I was hoping to get it to 12. I was trying to go past the spinal tap amp on that one. I'm like, this one goes to 11, but we're trying to crank it a little bit more. A little more. You always got to have a little more. You always right? got to. Yep, absolutely. Always got to have a little more. Well, I want to jump into it right away because the last time we had you on, Omni Part 1 had just come out. We dove deep into the album. We really got deep into it. And now as we go ready for the release of Omni Part 2, what was the reaction to Omni Part 1 overall over the course of the year? And how did a lot of people take to it from your perspective? Man, it was a phenomenal response. And of course, I would be... I wouldn't be, you know, an artist, a musician, a band dude, if I didn't hype it and make it sound like, oh, people think it's the best record we've ever made. You know, of course, that's what everybody's going to say when you ask that that question. Right. But genuinely, uh, I kind of set out and myself and my squad set out on an impossible task for this record. And that was to genuinely create something that was not only the best music that's ever come out from my camp. But also do it in a way that has a con a conceptual base, you know, a conceptual foundation, you know, tells a story, has a narrative and such. Uh, and do it in a way that that the sound is fresh. You know what I mean? That it's brand new. All that comes down to basically completely reinventing everything that I do, uh, which is kind of. I don't know, wild and ambitious, I guess, on my end. But that was what would make it exciting for me. So the reception to Omni Part One, and I'm not going to say that every single person who listen, has listened to the record says this, but an overwhelming amount of people have said that this is by far the best thing the band's ever put out, uh, which was super encouraging. And uh, people wanted more. I mean, that was the, the overwhelming sentiment was, when's Part Two coming? We can't wait for Part Two. So now Part Two dropping January 12th, 2024 is 
it's it's a different thing than part one, but uh, they all fit together. Twenty three songs into this world, and we're we really created something I believe this time around that has no fluff. So part one is this journey. It's a little bit more cinematic, I guess. Uh, there's a lot of highs and lows in terms of you know ebb and flow and and really heavy moments and really serene moments. Uh, and it, it's, it's long, it's lengthy, you know, the songs are long, you know, there, there, it, there's a lot of movement to it. Part two was meant to be 11 bangers and hopefully we accomplished that. <laughs> so I do remember with part one, it did have a little bit of a longer feel to it, but when you were going with such a big cop set concept, the Omni concept that you worked with the whole story you created around there. You want to make sure it has that cinematic feel and flow to it. Think about it from the perspective of a movie. If we're watching a movie, if we're having the soundtrack to it, it's not going to be all straightforward bangers every single step of the way. Unless right. it's like some Nick Cage action movie, which I mean, don't get me wrong. I would absolutely love that. But there are so many great movies where the music, it absolutely allows that emotion to flow. So you want to have those low points. You want to have those high points, that high energy. You want to have that point where it's drawn back. You want to have that ebb and flow in there to tell the story, to accurately dictate the emotion that you're trying to portray here. When it came to part two, though, yeah, you have a little bit of a different flow to it because the story is already set. The flow of it has already been conceived through part one. And now you have the chance to really open up and be even more creative with what you want to do to make sure they have 11 straight bangers on here. And with a runtime of about 45 minutes, I mean, you're really falling into that perfect, you know, sweet spot when it comes to a lot of albums that are coming out today where they're usually around that 45 minute mark. I'm not saying that was intentional, but the way it happened, it kind of makes sense where if you're going with an album that has 11 bangers on it and you're right in that sweet spot. Now, from a optics perspective, us as the listeners, we can see this and be like, oh yeah, they're definitely going for this. Yeah. And again, the it's it's definitely almost the opposite approach as part one. So you know, part one was ambitious in the sense that can we can we approach something this way with like a concept and making it a little bit more dramatic and, and cinematic and still have people love it? Because I know the bands that have attempted to do that uh, for the most part in my experience as a music fan usually fall short. So it, that was, that was what I mean when I said ambitious, it's like, okay, we're trying to do this thing. That's kind of deep and almost heady and it's not as immediate. Can we still captivate people inside of that? If we can, that's like, I love the challenge of that. I love trying to do something that not everybody can pull off and hopefully pulling it off. Um, and I feel like, you know, when I listen to part one, I'm stoked on it. I'm like, man, I get chills so many times. And that's what I was thinking as we were writing the songs. Like, how can I give people chills or give myself chills when I listen to these songs, but not stick to that so formulaic, formulaic thing that so many artists fall into where it's like the verse. Here's the verse. Here's the chorus. You know what I mean? The song is three minutes and 27 seconds long. You know what I'm saying? So as we were making it, that was what was coming out as the the ultimate goal basically is like let's try to give people chills as many time times as possible let's try to scare people in the process like let's make a scary record that's about the emergence of ai and uh how technology is basically you know taking over the world so much and, and so, it, so to speak 
Yeah, when we think about that from the perspective of the Omni story, it's very ever-present. We talked about the last time we were here. We're going to bring it up again where you're talking about AI, you're talking about technology taking over, and we're seeing that happen. We're seeing where when we first talked, you know, AI, chat, GPT, it was a popular thing, but it was still very young. Now it's about a year later, and there are plenty of places that are implementing all these different AI abilities to their product or to their concept, and it is allowing them to, you know, potentially make more profit, but it's giving AI a much deeper ingrained feel within whatever you're working with. I mean, the full-time job I go to, there's a whole division that's basically set up for artificial intelligence and not going to lie. I'm kind of looking at like, uh, what are we actually doing? Do we actually understand this stuff? There's questions that do come up there. So a concept like this is very ever present and very connective. Taking the challenge of putting on something like this, especially from a band where you guys weren't going to be doing something that's going to be as this immersive of creating this whole entire story, this cinematic feel to it. It Mm -hmm. is a much bigger challenge because there are bands that have done it like you guys where they're trying to challenge themselves. And a lot of times they tend to fall short because it is so very difficult not only to create a world and captivate people like that, but when they're not used to it as your longstanding fans. Are they going to be able to drive and get into that kind of mindset overall mm-hmm. compared to a band that is always doing something like that, always creating those concept albums, always creating those stories where the fans are already ingrained in that so it's not as difficult to get them to come over. You guys were able to achieve that with part one with the way you guys made it sound, the sonics, the the different hills and valleys that you guys went through to really pull out all that emotion. But now when it came to part two, it's, You want to give people chills, like you said. You don't want to just have that same formulaic style where, yes, there's a lot of bands that have success over that, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, breakdown, chorus, outro, three minutes, 27 seconds. I do like a lot of bands that have that sound because they can do a lot of things within there, but you want to do something different. You want to make sure that when we were listening to these songs, that we were feeling that tingle up our spine. We were feeling the goosebumps pick up on us. Because there was something different about the construction, about the emotion, about the feel, and about the pace that this was delivered at to it's an experience. It's not something that you just want to put on willy-nilly in the background. It's something you want to be immersed inside because when you listen to it, that emotion that's that that like just that, you know, that feeling you get, it gets so ingrained in you where you kind of get shook in a way, but in the best possible way. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. And the challenge between part one and part two was connecting the two, you know, sonically, thematically, creatively. And I thought, I feel like we approached it in a way that maybe hasn't been done before or hasn't been done very often. Whereas part one is kind of like the main story, the main sound, and part two is basically two EPs that represent sonically the two ends of the spectrum that we're trying to pull from to create the main sound, right? So we have one one that's a little bit more, I guess, electronic metal, I guess, and the other's a little bit more just like straight brutal, you know? Uh, if anything, you know, part, you know, we're talking about part two, so so it's like side A. Uh, we, we approach that as calling it internally the digital ep so we wanted to have a lot of digital elements still heavy still aggressive um but pushing a little bit more into that electronic realm so you know more program drum beats and and sample synth action going on uh and then part two it was 
basically we called it the brutality EP. It's like how let's try to make something that's just gnarly. And so, you know, here's a playlist of all the like most extreme stuff that we've done to date, you know, um, five songs and just hopefully punch, punch you in the face harder than we ever have. And use that as kind of a launching pad as I'm already into the realm of thinking like we could take this further. You know what I mean? We (laughs) could, we could go further with all of the above, but, uh, for fans of heavy, you know what I mean? Like really aggressive music. You know, I was listening to a lot of, I feel like people over-reference the band Meshuga, but like, it's such a great starting point to extreme heavy music. And they've been around for so long and everything that they put out seems to get better and better and better and better and better. So that's kind of always a staple to me, but I was also listening to a lot of like Swedish heavy stuff, like bands like Viljarda and, um humanity's last breath and a lot of other kind of obscure heavy bands but just searching and mining for what is the heaviest most gnarly but still good stuff that that can be influences and so those are like kind of starting points you know and then let's how do we make this project 86 you know and i think where we arrived here is like here's a little bit more electronic but still kind of heavy and alternative metal take on our sound here's a little bit more extreme metal take on our sound you know what i mean but it's still it's glued together by the concept of omni and by you know obviously my vocal and then uh just it still feels like a project 86 product uh with with an asterisk being i really feel like this is the start of something brand new rather than the final project 86 record it's more new than it is old if that makes sense so the way I really think about this in terms of like my creative endeavors, my career, the band, the brand, whatever is project 86 made 10 records and then was reborn into something new with Omni. And then whatever is happening moving forward is that new thing that will still exist in this Omni universe. So I'm even toying with a new band name for everything moving forward. I haven't officially announced this or anything, but I can tease it here. Um, right now, the concept in my mind is like P86 or P86 colon Omni. So, you know, okay, it's still me. There's still a lot of elements of the mentality and the, you know, the bigger picture um, ideation that was connected to Project 86. And this should still appeal to that core Project 86 fan base. Uh, but this is something totally brand new at the same time and i want to stick in that sort of sci-fi cyberpunk dystopian i don't like that word but you know what i'm saying the futurism uh and let's go dark and heavy and scary and metal and let's have something to say inside of that and giving people who want to dig a little bit deeper you know some conceptual basis for all the things that we do now, that's something that really piques my interest overall because, you know, I, I do remember you talking about, you know, this is going to be the final Project 86 record with Omni Part 1 and Part 2, but there is so much more you can go off of it. So I do understand the fact that continuing this on, but tweaking the name a little bit to connect the old with the new going forward and still having like P86 in there or some, however you go with it, that still connects you to everything you guys ever did while opening up the door for something completely new, completely different, 
but also still taking in all of those old elements. And when yeah. you take, I'll say, when you take a listen to Omni Part Two for everyone that you know when it drops on January twelfth, which you definitely should. One thing that I noticed in there, especially from you know, like you said, two EPs come into one. That first half of the record, the more digital side of things. What I really enjoyed about that part specifically was the way that a lot of these different elements of electronics, a lot of these digitalized elements, the way you put them in there, you kept them on much more of this heavier side. You, I see a lot of bands out there right now, especially more like the metalcore world, where we're seeing a lot more electronics get put in there. And it's a good thing. It allows a lot more experimentation but they all have this certain lightness feel to them where it's a little bit more airy. It's a little bit more brighter and it works out fine in contrast. But when you mix a little bit of a heavier digitalized sound and digitalized elements and experiences and influences into what you guys are doing, like you did on the first half of Omni part two, it creates something different, but also has this, a different aggressive side to it that really allows people to fully embrace into the different concept of, you know, especially the Omni side, the digitalized AI side, seeing how that interacts with everything and how this interacts sonically with different electronic elements, the heavier elements. And I thought personally that first it allowed you guys to even be more creative because you had mm-hmm. something new you had to try and work with this new concept of electronics that you really had to focus in on. But how do we make it a little bit deeper so that the other instrument and uh, other instrumentation that really drives it heavier still has this nasty, snarly, massive impact that we're hoping for. And it absolutely hits and connects with the story. There's a lot of moments, especially in that first half of the Omni part two, where you guys absolutely hit on that every step of the way. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. I, yeah, that was, we've always been this band that sort of walks this tightrope, right? And to some people, we don't accomplish it to others. We accomplish it well. And that is, we want this stuff to still be somewhat accessible to like the normal heavy music fan, you know, the fan of the band, you know, that someone that listens to the band like Slipknot or, you know, pick a band that's considered a little bit more mainstream heavy. You know what I mean? That isn't just like scene oriented. Right. Mm -hmm. But still not committing so hard to like the mainstream that it's not still thoughtful because if you go too far towards that, it becomes real knuckleheady. You know what I mean? And like, there's something about like metalcore scene, whatever, like it's a little bit more thoughtful, you know, um, there's an, an ethos to it all. You know what I mean? Um, and it's for a specific group of people. Um, but the thing that we always and I always sort of rejected about that concept is there are so many rules within the scene, right? So always want to be our own thing and not play by the rules of any any genre, right? Or any piece of the puzzle in terms of like the fan base. Let's be ourselves, let's be individual, but that's going to require us walking a very difficult line between, you know, when you go heavy and you have thick sounding guitars, it is really easy to sound knuckleheady. Um, and, and all of a sudden you're in like the nickelback realm, right? I mean, maybe that's extreme, but it's like, we don't, like I was never really into like like radio rock as an influence you know what i mean like all of those bands they do great at what they do but it's never the thing that we were going for pick a band you know what i mean we all know kind of what radio rock is but i was also like 
always put off a little bit by the pretension associated with like the scene. So it's like, you know, I don't want to ever try to come off like the end goal here is just to be cool. You know, I want to make music that moves people. And so when we're really doing it the right way, and this is something that we captured on drawing black lines, we're kind of navigating that, that fence really well, where it's like, there's a lot of people that sort of come from the scene that really are digging it and getting into it. But there's also a lot of people that just like heavy music, normal people quote that are digging it as well. And we're sort of having this universal appeal while still being this underground band and not being like commercially huge, not to say that I wouldn't love being commercially huge because I would, you know what I mean? But within that, you just have to be honest and true to the thing that you're trying to be or who you are, you know, as a creative, as an artist. And for me, the biggest, um, the biggest sort of uh, uh, currency, I guess, is individuality. It is carving your own path and finding your own creative voice inside of navigating all these different genres and all the different ways that people try to, you know, put you in a box and, oh, you're, you're this, you're a Christian band or you're a metal band or you're a hard rock band or you're a radio rock band or you're a new metal band or you're, you know what I mean? You're this, you're that. And I've always hated that. I've always hated that. I'm like, I'm just going to be me and be honest. And if people like that, cool. But if I'm making stuff that is true to what I want to say and how I want to sound and it, and I enjoy it in terms of when I put it on, I'm proud of it. it gives me chills. It makes me stoked. makes me want to smash around my house or whatever. Then others are going to like it too. And you can feel this throughout the ebb and flow of my career. Those moments where I've been really tapped into that. And therefore the band has been really tapped into that at the same time. Um, is when we've done our best work. You know what I mean? And I think this is most true on Omni because I basically went into this record saying, I'm going to do something I've never done before. And that is I'm coming at this with a very specific vision, sonically, lyrically, conceptually. This is what I want the thing to do to make you feel how I want it to sound. And I'm going to surround myself with people that are going to help me accomplish this. And everybody's going to come in with their own creative visions and twists on, on this thing. And there's room for that a little, you know what I mean? But ultimately I'm going to fight for what I want this thing to be. And I'm going to fight harder than I ever have before, especially when I feel in my gut, uh, that thing is not quite what I want it to be. So we're going to change that or tweak it or pivot a little bit. And that's what I've done throughout this whole process. And it's worked way better than anything that I've ever done. So I've, when I say I've reinvented myself as a creative, that's really what it means. I've always approached working with others inside the band, producers, collaborators, engineers, mixers, video directors, whoever, as a collaborative thing. And it is this time around. And I certainly couldn't have you know, accomplished any of this. We couldn't have accomplished this without the huge list of awesome, talented people, whether we're talking Matt Putman, Bo Burchell, uh, George G1 Lever, uh, you know, Grayson, Grayson Stewart, Corey Brandon, everybody that's been involved in this thing, Philip Ferris, Darren King, everybody made me feel like and proved that I was the least talented person in the room. <laughs> but I also realized I have to be like the showrunner. I have to be the one who's directing everything and keeping everything on a certain trajectory. 
And that's the thing I, I've I've really learned this time around. And so moving forward, I'm going to approach things that way. And it really honestly makes things a lot easier for everybody involved because here's the thing that we're trying to do. Here's how we're going to get there. As long as we stay on this path, it's going to be smooth. I, there was one thing that you, two things actually that you mentioned throughout that whole entire just absolute incredible moment that really stood out to me. First thing was, when you're bringing up when it comes to your folks on music, wanting to still stick within that individuality and toting that line between wanting to be heavy but not go so full into being knuckle like a knucklehead rock where it's just you turn into Nickelback, but not going so far over to the side of the scene to where you're being put so much into a box where if you decide to break away from that, you're going to get so much resistance. It's going to be hard yeah. to get back to where you want to go. I think about the scene as well. Now, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of things I enjoy about it, but yeah. nothing is perfect. And sure. I take a look at what's going on now. And there are a lot of bands that it's when they break through and they finally get some traction. Everyone tries to restrict them to just that because that's what we, that's what we connect with. That's what we like. Right. That's what we enjoy. And the fans are very hesitant to let go of that. Because in my opinion, we find we like we find that sound and we connect with it on such a deep level that when we listen to it, it always brings us back to a certain moment when we needed that sound the most. And when that sound starts to change, we get resistant to it because we don't want to lose out on that positive feeling that we had. However, you take a look at like the biggest bands in the scene right now, and I'm gonna use Spotify numbers because it's just a tangible way to look at this. I don't think there are two bigger acts right now than Bring Me the Horizon, who's been changing their sound on every freaking album that they've ever done, and Falling in Reverse, who Ronnie's always doing something wacky, insane, but look at what's happened. It's they've broken out of this expectation box, and whatever they release to the point, we're just waiting to see what the heck happens at this point. We're not expecting them to go into a certain genre, a certain style, and have the same exact pattern over and over again. Don't get me wrong, there are a lot of other bands that are still doing that and doing that successfully. But yeah. there's something to be said about keeping that individuality there to where you're not going to be put into this certain box, have to follow these certain rules, because in the end, you are the creative, you are the artist. Why should we have these outside rules to restrict you on what you're able to do? And given all the credit to the guys that you work with on this, saying that you're the showrunner, but the least talented person in the room, they're the ones that are able to bring this vision to light and really maximize out on this and expand your mindset creatively while showing you what can be done in the actual world by taking what's in your mind and putting it onto, you know, putting it onto this vinyl, putting it on this track, just putting it wherever it's going to be, where people are going to hear this final product and say, this, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, man. I uh, I like that you referenced um, some bands that seem to be really great at reinventing themselves over and over and over again. I just think that's fun as an artist. And I think it's also fun for the fans. Uh, it's so hard because like as a music fan, I mean, I can recall, I mean, almost every artist I can think of that's affected me. There's that sweet spot in their career where it's like they put out that one record or those couple records in a row and the natural tendency is always to go, oh, why can't they just do this again? You know, as a fan, that's where your mind's going to go because you connected with that the most. And usually, you know, there's a reason why, right? But what we fail to realize as music fans is that music in many ways is just a happy accident. You know, it's, it's a happy accident and it's not something that the artist can usually control, right? 
Uh, and the beauty of that thing and the reason why you connected with it so much is because there was an aligning of many, many, many forces and many circles which overlapped at that moment, which created, you know, I always picture, you know, making music as like these, this is really abstract, but making music is all of these like um, transparent circles that are floating in space, right? And everybody has a color to their circle. And when you work with other people to accomplish something creatively, where those circles intersect the color that's made is the output right and so that color can be constantly evolving depending upon you know who you're involving in the process but also your color is always changing as well because you're not the same person that you were yesterday you have a different set of experiences that you're pulling from right now at this moment that are the strongest emotional stimuli for you right so you always have to be true to that strongest emotional stimulus that's coming through your experience as an individual. And that's the, 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 the thing that catapults your art into being, your music into being. Uh, and as that evolves, as that changes, as you grow, as you learn, as you go further down, down life's path, you have different experiences and therefore you have different priorities, you have different emphases, you have different things you're into. Um, one of the things that, and this ties into the original thought that we're trying to connect on here. Mm -hmm. One of the things that artists always do, it seems is they make their best stuff early in their career. And it's usually the heaviest stuff. And there's a, I've thought about this and analyzed it for years. You, you get that maximized optimized version of the band, you know, on album two, when they're age 24. 22, 23, 21, 25, whatever. Because that's sort of the apex of like ability. Like you're, you're old enough and experienced enough to be proficient at what you do. So therefore lyrically, vocally, you know, musicianship and such, but you're still young enough that there's angst. The world is still new. You know, you're experiencing things for the first time. There's dissonance. There's co the collision of expectation and experience, experience. And then there's disillusionment. And that's what a lot of great music and art is born out of, disillusionment, right? And so can you conjure up disillusionment? Not necessarily, you know what I mean? But can you reside in a headspace in the way that you live your life that you're constantly seeking out new experiences, i.e. staying young and therefore creating dissonance at every life stage. If you can tap into that, then there's this whole reservoir of angst that you can still pull from to create art, right? Most people do not do this intentionally because what happens is when you're in your 20s, you are usually, you know, you're single, you're touring, you're doing your thing, you know what I mean? You're free. And then at some point you get locked down into a marriage or a relationship and then you bring kids into the mix and it becomes about finances and career maintenance and um, being an adult you know that's what happens to most people it's not a bad thing it's a really good thing you know but what gets compromised in there because you lose just the free space in your brain and the free time in your schedule is to continue discovery 
traveling to new places, experiencing new things, making new friends, reading new books, trying new foods, all these things. Those are all the things that we do when we're in college, when we're young adults, that we stop doing when we become, quote, adult people. And artists do the same thing. You know, you establish your brand, you start touring, and then you get locked into your lifestyle, right? And then you, it's just about maintenance. How do you upend all of that? That's what I'm constantly searching for. Just as a person, you know what I mean? How do I stay raw? How do I stay emotionally reactive? How do I stay disillusioned? You know what I mean? With the world around me. That's what Omni is. Complete disillusionment with the world around me that I experienced primarily through the pandemic, but through other things as well prior to that. And so my job as an artist, as long as I do this, is to stay in the perpetual state of disillusionment, especially when I'm creating art that's darker, that's more extreme, that's more aggressive. That was long. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't give a crap that that was long. That was something that was utterly profound, Andrew. Jesus Christ. Because throughout that whole entire aspect, all I'm thinking about is, is how incredibly right you are with this. As people get older, as musicians get older, yeah, you always think about how some of their best music came out earlier on in their career. And especially from the scene side of things, it's always the heavier stuff that came earlier on. And there is a lot of that, you know, angst still there. The proficiency is there, but the angst is still there. That disillusionment is there. That want to want to go out and experience new things because the world is fresh is still there. Of course, other things are going to happen in life as time goes on and priorities are going to change. You might get married. You might have kids. Finance are going to become a bigger part because now you have other people depending on you and you yeah. have kids that you are responsible for that you want to make sure that they're going to be in the same position that you are or better off than you when they get to that point in time where they can go out on their own. So that is always in your mind. But a lot of times, and it happens to a lot of people, is you go on autopilot. You just stick yeah. in what you know. And because it's the path of least resistance so that you can have that career stability, you can have the financial stability, and you can make sure the people around you are taken care of, you lose the want, the luster, and the will to go out and search out new things, learn new things, have that angst to try and discover more of the world and discover more of what it has to offer. And mm -hmm. it, as you get older, because right now I'm 29 I'm still going out trying these new different things, trying these new experiences. But I know as time goes on, there's going to be more of a focus that has to be put on wanting for wanting more, trying these new things, see what else I can tap into, what other experiences can bring up to have these instances. Because the last thing I ever want to do is just go through life on autopilot. I've mm -hmm. always thought about this and I can't stand it. And for myself, I remember being 22 years old, leaving college, and then going into work for the full for my first full time job, and I was wondering if life was even worth living anymore after a couple of months because everything became so utterly mundane. And right. this is literally why the podcast exists right now because I did not want my life to be utterly mundane. And totally. conversations like this just absolutely fire me up. But I hope it fires up everyone else as well and musicians as well because. You're an artist, you're creative. Find that creativity, find that will, find that want. Even if life does change, you can find other ways to create that. If you get if you become a if you're a parent, you know there's going to be new things in life that come up because you're a parent because of your kids. 
find those new things, find that creative energy, find that rev, rev, like that uh, the reservoir of just absolute, you know, new profound angst that you might be able to put into, put it into your creative aspect, and you're going to create something that could be utterly fantastic and utterly expansive compared to even what you did previously because. There is so much more there you can tap into with all these different new experiences because the world and the universe is are boundless. It's endless. You never, there's so many new things that we can experience as you get older. And when you get to that point where you're going to, you know, you're on your deathbed, there's a lot of things still in life that you have never even thought of experiencing or even knew was a chance to have happen. So there's never going to be a limit on what you can and can't have or experience. Amen, brother. Yeah, love all that. I mean, you see, I, the bands that age like fine wine, I'm totally of the opinion, find a way to tap into that fa- fountain of youth mentality uh, where they stay connected to their emotions and the things that made them want to do this to begin with. Um, I don't know if that's a gift. I don't know if that's intention. I can only speak for myself. Uh, I don't know how to live life any other way, you know, than to stay connected to, you know, that desire to keep discovering and to keep trying to experience new realms of disillusionment. I bring it back to that word because what is disillusionment? It's where expectation meets reality, right? Uh, Your expectations don't match with reality. Therefore, you get disappointed. And you experience pain. And in that pain, you go, why? You know, <laughs> and then you start and, and in that pain, you know, and, and all the sub questions that come along with why and the wrestling with reality. Uh, if you turn that towards creative energy, I believe that that is the best place that everyone can reside uh, in terms of, you know, throughout history, that's the best place for the artist to reside, you know, is that questioning that why, why are things the way they are, you know? Um, and inside of that, we find answers and we also encourage others to think critically about their experience and uh, maybe just maybe help provide sense a sense of hope and even answers inside of the asking those questions. But I always tell tell people on my podcast i say it's not my job to tell you how things are it's my job to get you to ask the questions you know by pushing some buttons and to reevaluate um your perspective on things your to reevaluate your experience and the decisions that you're making and the way that you're living your life if i do that then i'm doing my job and it is a job people don't think of it that way but it is a job i have a job to do to the for the people who support me, you know, because my career is a listener supported endeavor. You know, I do this full time and I always have. And I, therefore I'm beholden to the people who are basically investing in me and the products that I put out, um, which is an incredibly capitalistic way to put it, but it's true. You know, the joke that I always make is like, you know, I thought I, I thought I was signing up for, you know, being an artist and like, like, uh, you know, being on stage and, and being a performing artist. But really what I was signing up for was a sales and marketing position. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So, 
So within that, I have to find a way to to upend that part of the equation by just really dissolving myself inside the creative process. Um, right now is one of those moments where it's so hard to do that because there's so much admin and so much not creative that goes into what I do, you know, on a day-to-day basis. And, and people don't like to talk about that because it's boring. But the reality is, you know, for every hour that you're on the stage, there's probably 20 hours of work that goes into that moment, right? And let's talk about, you know, putting content out into the world, music, an album, you know, we're talking hundreds of hours, man hours, you know, many different people working on stuff. Um, just so you could say, eh, I don't know if I like that breakdown. You know what I'm saying? But there was so much effort that went into making that thing. And if, the, if it's done right, you know, it'll tap into the consciousness of many people. You know, I don't really even think in terms of at the end of the day, how many people will be affected by something I'm making. I really just think about, and this is a total sidebar, but the, I, I just thought of this as I was talking. And it kind of goes back to something I said earlier. If I just make something that I like, like really like, and I make that the end goal, then I know that other people will like it. And if that thing happens to be, you know, unique, which it will be if, if it's, if it's, you know, if I'm relaxed and I'm just trying to, you know, put my voice out into the world, um, that's a success. That is success right there. You know, to me, especially, um, I, I don't equate success necessarily with like whatever car I'm driving or like how many bedrooms my house has, you know, those are fine, but the more stuff you own, the more it owns you to quote fight club. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, <laughs> yep. It's really, it, it's really true. Like my goal in life is to, to make, make the art that I enjoy making my entire journey in this world and have enough people enjoy that as well, that I'm able to continue on that path. And that's hopefully going to live a lot longer than I do. I hope to God it lives a lot longer than you do. Like, I mean, that's for any artist that their art lives a lot, a lot longer than they ever possibly could, whether you're a painter, sculptor, musician, whatever it might be, whatever kind of creative you might be. And there's a lot of that, especially I think on Omni part two, that really shows through that where you're making exactly what you want and what you like. You want to tap into those emotions. You want to make sure you gave people those chills and you want to make it in a way where people just want more of it because it's what you wanted to do and because you wanted more of it. For me personally, because I know we're not, we're kind of running low on time a little bit from what you, you know, want to get, make sure you can go and continue on with your rest of your day. But for me specifically, listening to the X and the Y, that song hit me in such a completely different way than everyone else that you made on this album, specifically because I don't know what you were trying to go with there, but especially the way that the chorus hit, the melodic chant style you had there, the way that the, especially the drums, they hit so full and heavy on every aspect of it. It sounded like this epic Greek tragedy being told through a song. And it's just the power that was behind it. I was just being transported mentally in a like movie style to all these different great movie epics about, you know, Greek, Greco-Roman wars, just these absolute emotions of that. But at the same time, it's like us, it's like humans and AI fighting off each other, trying to see who's going to be the best. But it's such this powerful moment where everything that came out of that song, I was listening to it right before we even jumped on here. And I was sitting here just thinking, my God, this is absolutely fantastic. And then that bridge, it goes silent. And then the chorus comes right back in after. I'm like, 
wait, I was expecting a breakdown there or something, but the way the chorus came back in, just keeping up with that epic Greek tragedy type feel with how much power had behind it. That was such an epic win. <laughs> Holy shit. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah, that's definitely the break on side two of the album. Um, it's not a break. It's it's just the least, quote, heavy song. But it's got like this punk energy to it. Big shout to Corey and Matt on that one. Um, yeah, that's kind of like, whereas we have like interludes and such on part one. Mm-hmm. That's the interlude of, of part two, um, which, I mean, it's still a banger. It's it's like the fastest song on the on side <laughs> two. Uh, yeah, just just talking song to song on, on, on part two before we hop off here. Like, I really think Ultra Violent, which is track two on side two, is the lead track on the entire Omni album. Um, we just dropped a music video for that. You check it out like we brought omni city to life there's an entire uh 3d uh, animated unreal engine universe in the music video that that came as well as this crazy like lab thing um big shout to adam standen our director on that one who just built some fantastic environments um i really feel like ultraviolent is such a win on on part two it's super heavy but it's also kind of a bridge between you know what what this thing is now versus what it was before you know it's a diverse song and it's an interesting song in the sense it was three discarded demos that were glued back together by matt putman one of our producers and they're in different keys even different time signatures different (laughs) keys yeah and like when he when he showed it to me, I was like, okay, wow. It's going to take me a while to wrap my head around this. Cause I'm hearing the original ideas and how they're kind of glued back together. And then I was just like, no nah, man, that really works. And then when we recorded it, it was initially going to be a song. that was like a, not a B side, but it was a song that was going to be an exclusive song for the highest tier of our Patreon community. Because I do that sometimes uh, with them. We'll do exclusive music just for Patreon folks. Uh, and then once, once I showed it to a few people, they're like, uh, you're not going to release this. I was like, well, it's just for, you know, a small group of people that, you know, are my highest, biggest supporters, whatever. And they're like, you got to release this, dude. This is an, <laughs> an amazing song. So I showed it to more more people and I, I, I would like play that song and I wouldn't tell them anything about it. I'd just play that song and they'd be like, what was that? And I was like, oh, it's this new song, blah, blah, blah. And then I'd show them a couple other ones that were on side two and they'd be like, no, that first one's a jam. So it was kind of like, all right, we got to, this is going to be the biggest song on Omni. Um, so we did the music video. That's the first single for part two. And then my second favorite song on part two is Pariah, which is track one on the the second side of part two, which is, I, I guess, if we're going in order, that's like track seven on part mm-hmm. two or track 19 on the record. Pariah is just this like brutal, thrashy, like gnarly the down tuniest of down tuniest guitar really fast but there's a lot of breaks on it there's some really great breakdowns it's just an it's just a crazy song i love pariah um but if you're into just like really extreme heavy stuff uh that still has a just a small element vocally of accessibility not saying there's a lot of singing but like you can just kind of understand the words basically with it still being pretty low in terms of the scream register uh, you'll dig 
you know, side two of part two. And I think the digital EP though, like side one of part two, um, is going to be the thing that people like the most because the songs are great. Like track six, Trench Ejector, I've been being told is like the dark horse of the whole record. Cause like it just sort of came out of left field. Like nobody, everybody just loves that track. It's really, really heavy, but really kind of like catchy too. Um, and it's like, we tried to not go like to Rammstein with it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Rammstein or whatever. Um, but it's kind of like old Nine Inch Nails meets Meshuga or something, you know? It just has that kind of vibe. Um, but there are a lot of really big moments on part two that I'm really proud of. And I think if you if you gave Omni part one a chance, you should give Omni part two a chance. If you're a fan of anything from Gojira to, um, gosh, anything in metalcore, I think you'll like this. You know, there isn't as much singing vocal. You know what I mean? But there's a lot of lot of heavy stuff in there um, that I think you'll gravitate towards. There's a lot of diversity on Omni Part 2. Some real bangers on there as well. I mean, it's hard, man, to hype your own stuff. I don't like hyping my own stuff. I do like talking about what I like about it, but I don't like talking about why it's awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the more you talk about why you like it, I mean, you're essentially hyping up in that realm. And I can hype it up a little bit, too, because for me, I'm more from the metalcore side, especially for my ear listening fandom. I really like the first part of it, especially more the digital side of it, just because that fits a little bit more with what I was essentially getting in my head. And it yeah. really hit with me, especially, I mean, again, I brought up the X and the Y going to ultraviolet. Again, you for me, it was like mixing more of that aggressive metal style match perfectly with electronic fast paced energy, like you're playing a Resident Evil video game. Right. That was something that really stuck out to me, but you still gave a great rundown of all of it for everyone to get into. So if you liked Omni Part 1, you definitely should check out Omni Part 2. If you were like, ah, I wasn't into Omni Part 1, you should definitely check out Omni Part 2. <laughs> if you have not checked out Omni Part 1, check it out and check out Omni Part 2. If you're like, who is Project 86? Check out Omni Part 2. That should take care of it, right? Yeah, that's it, man. And obviously, if you're on YouTube, um, our channel is just at Project 86 Video. Um, and you can check out, uh, we have five uh, animated style music videos, um, live action meets animation, basically, you know, uh, on our channel and check out our latest video for Ultraviolent. Uh, and stream the new album if it's uh, January 12th or later when you hear this. You just did my whole entire first part of my job for me to close out this episode. So, my God, Andrew, thank you. You put it out there perfectly. But now as we bring <laughs> this episode close, I'm bringing up three specific things. First things first. Literally, Andrew, everything Andrew just said, when it comes to Omni coming out, on part two coming out on January 12th, when it comes to watching music videos, when it comes to finding them online, when it comes to supporting them, joining the Patreon, everything about that, best thing you do is, is allow me to be your own personal Google. Go script to the podcast where it's just find Project 86 online, links, labels for everything are going to be down there. So you have no excuse to not get into this stuff, not listen to it. I'm making sure that you guys do this. It's all down there. So do it, do it. And now, Andrew, time for part two. I had you on in, in early 2023 and I said, I was going to make you a promise that when I got to see you perform live for the first time, that I was going to look for you, find you, pursue you, whatever it is, Liam Neeson taken style. But when I finally found you, I was going to say hi. And the first round was on me. Well, dude, I haven't seen you play live yet, but I still have to hold up that promise. But now you've been on twice. So it's not first round. It's first two. 
Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, we uh, we're doing an album release show in Nashville. If you're in the area, uh, March first and second, we're gonna have like a release party weekend, Friday and Saturday night. So that's going to be really cool. Uh, the show itself on March second will be it'll be a live stream event as well. So like if you can't make it in person and it's limited seating, it's a it's a small theater venue, but it's going to be really cool. Uh, if you can make it out, March 2nd is a date to join us. But if not, we'll be selling uh, tickets online as well uh, so that you can experience it virtually. So that will be pretty cool. And then we have a, another date that we're about to add uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina on uh, March 9th. So uh, we got a couple dates coming up. We all, we'll have more coming down the pipe uh, after that to support uh, Omni for sure. Either I'm going to have to road trip or I'm going to have to wait to see what those other dates are. But I'll find you at some point, man. I'll find you at some point. Sounds I good to me. Some of these live. And now number three, as we bring this to its full conclusion, man, this is your second time in the podcast. Maybe even better than the first. I don't know. Both times were absolutely fantastic. This cannot be the last time I have you on, man. This was fantastic. So this is not goodbye. This is I'll see you later. For sure, man. Pleasure is all mine, brother. Well, folks, this is my interview with Andrew the Van Project 86. Now it's time for Kevin's final thought. When Andrew was talking about when it comes to artists and as they continue to get older, why it seems like a lot of their work on a consistent basis is not as good as some of the stuff they did when they were younger, based off of that feeling of disillusion and based off of that want to try and go out and do more. Because, of course, as time goes on, responsibilities change, priorities change. You might have a spouse, you might have kids, you might have different financial needs, and you might need to make sure that you are consistent over other things as well. Make sure that consistency is key to support your family. But think about it from this perspective, because I think about it from my perspective as well. I remember, you know, 22 years old, out of college, and I felt like I had the world on my shoulders and the world out in front of me because I just gotten done with college. I was able to do whatever I want. I was able to study whatever I wanted. I had that disillusionment to me to go out and try and learn new things, discover new things, have new experiences. When I got into the corporate working world and about three months in, I started to just absolutely dread it, dread life, everything for the specific reason because it felt like for me at that point, that was it. Like the rest of life was going to be so structured and so by the book that I didn't have to learn anything new. There was no need to. And that depressed the ever loving hell out of me and sent me into a spiral along with a couple other things that sent me into a spiral of deep depression. And the podcast essentially is the response to that, to get back out there, try something new trying to figure out how to make this work, trying to figure out new things to make this happen and trying to always discover how I can reinvent this thing, how I can always make this thing even better. It adds to that disillusionment, adds that angst to keep going, to keep doing this stuff. And it makes sense why when I'm at my full-time job, because I still have to work a full-time job right now, why I'm so much more apathetic towards it compared to this, compared to the podcast. When I have to talk to people for my full-time job, man, I, I just just have no energy there. I kind of get stuck and tired, but I kind of have to always try and bring it once again due to the fact that, you know, I want to make sure I'm like this. But then when the podcast comes on, this is all natural. Like once I see that first like little icon pop up in the Zoom conversation, Whoo, my energy flies through the roof and I'm just on riding a wave of positivity. You could put five episodes for me in a row. I might be like completely burnt out by the time we start the fifth one, but that fifth one, I am flying still because I'm just jacked up on energy for this stuff. Jacked up on that positivity and I wouldn't have it any other way. And the podcast also helps me 
keep that disillusionment when in a world where everyone else wants you to be a certain way, especially the corporate world, where they want you to fit, act, dress, look a certain way. I don't. I mean, I go on calls with people and they are wearing button-up shirts and looking nice and whatnot. I get in a call, I look like this. I literally looked like this, except I was wearing my voice, a batch of prod t-shirt. And I gave one hell of a presentation and I'm, they asked me why I wore it. I'm like, because you remember it. That was simple. And plus it was me. So it actually kind of was like, but yeah, keep that disillusionment to yourself so that you can, can consistently go out and seek out new opportunities, seek out new things in life and have good time with it. So when it comes to Project A6, when it comes to Omni, link to the podcast below, links, labels for everything, social media, YouTube, where you can stream the music, you can join the Patreon page and where you can go check them out live as well. Also, make sure you go down to the Corporate Rush Podcast description down here. Hit follow on our Facebook, or like, follow, whatever, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Subscribe to YouTube right down here. Also, hit subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're getting this podcast. New episodes every single Tuesday and Thursday throughout 2024. Yeah, we're going for it. And on YouTube, get those Friday reaction videos. Also, hit like on it right down here on YouTube or anywhere on the Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever else you might be getting this thing. Thank you very much. Helps us out a lot. Thank you, Andrew. Another great conversation with you, man. And can't wait to see you in 2024 in a live show. On that note, that's what you guys. Thank you for watching, listening to the Card Progression Podcast. My name is Kevin, and you guys know I'm in every single one of the big, healthy, and hearty. See ya! Yeah.